Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. I want to dive right into Revelations today as we close down this series. Uh, really, the theme of the whole series has been Revelations chapter 12 and verse 11. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. We've said it every week, every week, all series long, the theme of Revelation is not fear. The theme of Revelation is Jesus reigns, and those who believe in him will overcome. Jesus reigns, and all who believe in him will overcome. People ask, why are you studying Revelation? Nobody studies Revelation. Well, we should, number one. But two, why are you studying it? We've three words we've used. We want to study for, for perspective. We want to have an eternal perspective. We want to we want to study it for preparation. We want to be prepared for the second coming of Christ. And then we want to study it for peace. Every scripture in the Bible is meant to not create fear in our lives, but to build faith in our lives. We want to be, our lives be built with faith. And so it's a faith-filled book. Sometimes you can read it and you're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Oh my gosh, this is confusion. Oh my gosh, this is scary. It was never meant to be scary. It's meant to build our faith and know this, Jesus reigns. And in the end, he still reigns. And so it's been a great series. And today I want to talk to you as we close down this series. I want to talk to you today about the return of the king. The return of the king. I want to pull up my graph, my chart. We've been using all series long. I know y'all have enjoyed this chart. For those that are in the back, you may not be able to see every word. I'm sorry, but let me just kind of give it to you. We've kind of walked through this chart, the whole series. And really where we're at right now is we're at the church age. From the day of Pentecost until the church, the body of believers is raptured up. Then uh, a day will come when the rapture will happen. The Bible says that no man knows. The Bible says no person knows. The Bible says not even the son himself. Jesus himself does not know a rapture. The Bible come, it says it comes from the, the Latin word uh, harpazo, which means, I mean, the, Latin, the Greek word harpazo, which Latin means rapt, where we get our word rapture from, okay? And so it's this meaning of this being caught up with Christ. And so that's the rapture. Then we, then we have the, the tribulation. We talked about the seven years of tribulation uh, last week and then the second coming of Christ, how there will be this battle of the Armageddon where Christ will come and we will come, those who have been raptured, those who are believers who have died, we will be come back with him and we will battle the Armageddon, the one last, well, not last battle, we'll talk about that in a second, but the battle of Armageddon. And this is where we pick up the millennial kingdom when Jesus comes back for his second kingdom, his second coming, and the Bible says that we will rule and reign, and he will rule and reign for a thousand years on earth. A thousand years, he will rule and reign. And so that's kind of where we pick up. So the church will be raptured. There'll be the seven years of tribulation. Then Jesus will come back, and he will defeat the enemy, and there'll be this, this battle, of, battle of Armageddon. And then for a thousand years, Christ will rule and reign with us on this earth. And I want to kind of show it to you today uh, in Revelation chapter 20, starting in verse 1. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, Satan. And bound him for a thousand years. He cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more. 
till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he, he was released for a little while. Here's what's happening, okay? What, what, what's going on during the thousand years? People are like, what are we gonna be doing during those thousand years? Are we gonna be like just chilling? No, okay? Here's what's gonna be happening during the thousand year reign. One, during the millennial kingdom, it will be a time of peace. During the millennial, millennial kingdom, during the thousand year rule and reign of Christ on this earth, apt, after the battle of Armageddon, they will, there will be this thousand years of peace, the Bible says right here in the scripture we just read, it says that, uh, that, that Satan will be thrown to a, th- uh, he'll be chained and bound for a thousand years that she, he sh- so he should, should not be able to re- deceive the nations anymore. So here's what happens. The enemy, Satan, the devil, if you don't know who Satan is, he's not this eerie creature. He was an angel. He was Lucifer in heaven. He was cast down because he thought he could, he could be God. He wanted to be God. He was cast down. Now he, he, rule, he lives on this earth and he's trying to, and, and over the whole period of time, wants to be God. He never will. But he gets to this place where he has this battle with God. And the Bible says for a thousand years, God locks him up. Okay, he's chained up. And it says that he will not be able to deceive us anymore. For a thousand years, there will be no deception. See, right now on this planet, the enemy, he, he, the Bible says he, roar, he goes around roaring like a lion, looking for someone he can deceive. Let me explain that. That's my, I'm paraphrasing. But here's what it is. See, the enemy cannot come against you and cause you and I to sin. The enemy cannot come to us and say, okay, you're going to sin right now. And so we say, yes, sir, we sin. That's not it. The way the enemy can, can, can uh, the Bible says in John 10, 10, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The way that he steals, the way he kills, and the way he destroys is through deception. We see it through the beginning of time in Genesis chapter three, where he's speaking with Eve. He's deceiving Eve to disobey God. It's the same thing with you and I. The enemy, the way that he creates harm in our lives is he comes and he starts to create lies in our minds. To deceive us, to believe in a way that is not the way God wants us to believe and it causes through our belief us to make our own wrong decisions. Does that make sense? The enemy can't make a bad decision for you. The enemy can deceive both of us and then that is where we make our bad decisions. Well, the cool thing about the millennial reign is literally Jesus will be on this planet ruling and reigning and the enemy will be chained up and so there will be no deception. We will not be able to be deceived, meaning we won't be able to get to the place where we're falling into sin because there's no deception. Truth is truth. There is no my truth. There's no your truth. There is the truth. Come on, somebody. A place where there's no lying and there's no deception and there's no, there's no deceitfulness and there's, there's no, it's literally, it's us ruling and reigning with Christ and it's this time of great peace. In fact, there's such peace that the, the, it says in Isaiah, we'll read it in a second, that literally the animals actually began to go back to where, where it was, was in the Garden of Eden where animals are able to walk together and live together and there, there's no harm. Let me show it to you in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse six. It says this, this is a prophecy, okay? So the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. A calf and a young lion and the fatling together. And the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child, check this out. This is, this is fascinating to me. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. I'm going to be honest with you. If there was ever a parent fail, 
this would be it. Come on, somebody. Like, oh, my, my, my daughter Winter. You know what? Let's let her play with the vipers. You know what I'm saying? People would have me arrested. But here's what's cool. There's such peace on the earth because of the reign of Christ that literally there's no harm being done. Now, it's interesting as well as we see this scripture. This is, sometimes people know this, sometimes they don't. It says the weaned child and the nursing child. Okay, this shows us that we will, people will still be having children during this time. Okay, so there will still be people giving birth and there'll be children going and built, being built or grown or whatever you want to call it, giving, giving birth to people on this earth. So children will still, during the thousand year, years, children will still be in birth and growing and becoming adults for a thousand years. That being said, we will all rule and reign for the thousand years. We will not die during the thousand years. Our bodies will not decay. The Bible says we'll be given new heavenly bodies. And so our bodies now on this planet, right now, they all decay. We'll have bodies that don't do that, so we'll be able to live and rule and reign for a thousand years in peace, okay? So this is what it is. It says right here in the Vipers, then, then we're going to continue on. It says, then they shall not hurt nor destroy any or on all my mountain, my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and the waters will cover the sea. There's this picture of the things to come when they're in a thousand years. There's such peace. There's such uh, uh, such. Uh, 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 harmony, if you will, that literally even the animals, not just people being in harmony, but the animals of the, on the planet will rest together, that will, they will eat together, and there will be no harm done to one another. It shows us this great picture. I can't wait. Could you imagine like being able to hang out with the lions, and then your child, like you're holding your child, just hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Here are the lions. Pet the lion. Yay. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be an incredible time. Tiger King won't have anything on this. You know what I'm saying? It'll be an incredible time of peace. What will the millennial reign look like? People ask. It's going to be first. It'll be, we know it'll be a time of great peace. I want to show you Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. It says, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and the judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast, that's Satan, or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads. We learned about that last week or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The millennial kingdom is a time of peace, but it's also a time of Christ's earthly rule. Christ will rule on this planet for a thousand years, meaning this, he will, he, we, there will be, he will judge and he will be a ruler and he will reign with us. And so it's this picture of understanding it's not like it is right now where there's, there's one, one governor here and then there's one governor there, there's one president here and there's one king or queen here. It's over the whole earth, Christ rules. And the cool thing about that is not just he rules, it says right here in the scripture we just read, it says, and they lived and, and, we, and, they lived and reigned with Christ. We will rule and reign with Christ as well. People ask, what will we be doing during the millennial reign? What, what will we be doing during those thousand years? We will actually be not just chilling, we'll actually have responsibilities. We'll have responsibilities, we'll have jobs, if you will, that we will honor Christ with and we'll be ruling and reigning with him. And so here's what's cool. I believe that God will use the giftings and the talents he's given us now that we'll use during the thousand year reign. It's not like Christ is like, okay, you have these giftings and then you're done. No, it's that he's given us these giftings and we will, I believe we will carry those into the, the, the millennial reign where we'll, for a thousand years, we'll use our giftings to serve and honor God. 
Here's what I always tell people. Why in the world would we wait to use our giftings and talents to honor God for the thousand years and not start right now? You may be in a place where you're not serving in a local church or you may be in a place where you're using your giftings to glorify yourself. I would encourage you, every gifting and talent that we all have, all should be first to honor him. They should be first to honor him. Why? Because we know he is the one that gave, gave us the gifts. He's the one that gives, whatever you're gifted in, if you don't know what you're gifted in, ask someone around you, they'll better tell you. Whatever it is that you're gifted in, I promise you, God is the one that gave us that gift. And so we should always be honoring him first with that gift. No, people are like, oh, well, we'll, be, well, there'll be sports in heaven. Well, there'll be sports in heaven. I don't know if there's baseball or not baseball, but I'll tell you this. If there is baseball, it really will be angels in the outfield. Come on, somebody. <laughs> y'all see what I did there? Y'all see what I did? Too, too, I might be too old of a joke for the young people, but old people, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know. Y'all remember? Come on, somebody. That was a womp womp joke. But here's what, I, here's what it is. Here's what it is. It's this understanding that will, as, as Christ rules, as he reigns, we will also rule and reign with him. And he will use our giftings and our talents and our responsibilities. And people will say, well, what will I be doing? I don't know. That's where Christ comes in. He gives us those responsibilities and, he honor, and we honor him with those giftings and those talents. And so what's gonna be happening? There's gonna be this peace that is, there's no deception. It'll be such peace that all people will be in harmony, but then all animals will be in harmony. But then also there's this time where we'll be able to use our giftings and our talents to rule and reign and honor Christ. Does that make sense? As we continue on, because I got a lot of content. Come on, somebody. Revelation chapter 20. In verse seven, it says, now uh, when thousand years had expired, Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is at the sand of the sea. Uh, They went up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Okay, now everybody's like, (gasps) Man, that's an intense scripture. Let me explain what's happening. Okay, so during the millennial reign, during the thousand year reign, there'll be, there'll be complete peace, no deception. Not only will there be complete peace, no deception, but we'll be ruling and reigning using our giftings and talents to honor and serve Christ. But then after the thousand year reign, if, if, there'll be one last battle. Can we go back to my chart, if you will? Thank you so much. There'll be one last battle that is happening. And this is where it says the, the, the restoration of God's covenant people, Christ uh, reign on the earth. Then right there, right before the great right, right throne judgment, there'll be this one last battle. And the Bible says that the enemy will be released. After the thousand years of him, be, him being trapped and him being in prison, the Bible says that God releases him. And the Bible says that actually people will be deceived. There will be people that are deceived and believe in, in the enemy and turn away from God. Well, here's the question that I've always asked. Well, God, why? Why would you not just smite the devil one time? Call it, why put him in prison? It's, it's done, it's over. Just smite him and let us move on. But it, 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 the reason why goes back to the same reason from the beginning of time, love. Well, what are you talking about? Why would God, why, God, why would God, how does God love us by letting the enemy deceive us? Let me explain why. Because in this period, in this time, there will be for a thousand years, children will be, in, be, will be being born. They'll know nothing but peace. 
They'll know nothing but a, a, a lifestyle with Christ. And so still, because he loves people, he still gives them the choice of free will. You know, there is no love without choice. Love is this. It's I'm choosing this person and I'm not choosing these people. When you love your spouse, for those that are married in the room, what you said was yes to that spouse for the rest of your life because you love them, but you also said no to everybody else for the rest of your life. It's the same thing with Christ and the rule and reign. He loves us so much that he doesn't want to make us machines. He doesn't want to make us robots. He doesn't want to make us not have choice. In fact, he loves us so much that he wants to give us the option of choice. And here's what happens in the scripture. People will be deceived. They'll, they'll, they'll make the wrong choice now. And here's what happens. And they're in that rule. And then those people will, will gather together with the enemy to try to have this one last battle with Christ. And so this is what I want to encourage you with as we look at this. Okay, there's one last battle. Of course, Christ wins. We see that. He throws the Satan into the lake of fire. And here's what we know. The scripture says the enemy comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to deceive. The enemy's goal for every one of us is to deceive us to the place of where we choose to not follow Christ. The role of the enemy, of our soul, is to create an opportunity for us to choose to not follow Christ. That's why it's so important on this planet that we would say, we're not, we're not perfect, but we're gonna choose to follow him. We're not gonna follow the ways of the world and be deceived. We're gonna choose to follow him. Why? Because we know he loves us. And so because he loves us, we choose to love him. Make sense? And so this is the important thing of what's happened during the millennial reign. These are the things going on during the millennial reign. Now, after the millennial reign, if you want to pull up my chart one more time for me, after the millennial reign, there'll be what they call the great white throne judgment. If you want to pull it right there, it says Revelation 20. We'll read that in a second. The great white throne judgment. Okay, so this is what happens right after the, the, the battle, the final battle. There's this great white throne judgment. And let me explain what that is right here in Revelation chapter 20. In verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for him. And I saw the dead, uh, uh, small and great, standing before God. Check this out. And books were opened. Okay? And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and the death and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Check this out. Then death, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Check this out. And anyone not found written in the book of life, life was cast into the lake of fire. Fire. Okay, let me explain this because people were like, oh, "What in the world?" I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're freaking out a little bit. Okay, it makes me happy. Here's what happens. There are two judgments that will happen during the, the end time tribulation times. Okay, there are two different judgments. That I want to show you this. This great white throne judgment is not Christians. It says the dead. Okay, this is this is talking about those who do not follow Christ, who choose to not believe in Christ. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to show you the two. Go back to my chart, if you will. I appreciate you working with me here. And I want to show you what we're talking about with the two different judgments. Okay, right here at the top of the screen, right during the tribulation, says the judgment seat of Christ. Now, people were a little confused last week when I talked about how this is not whether you make it to heaven or make it to hell. This is about us being judged on how we believed and how we lived and how we served Christ on earth. Let me explain that, okay? We'll be raptured up. 
Okay, And when we're raptured up, what we'll do is we'll face Christ. And as we face Christ, or if we die, we'll face Christ. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So this is not us, me saying that last week was not me saying that we won't have to bow down to Christ and we declare he's Lord. No, we will do that without even thinking about it because of the glory and the honor of who he is. Okay, This is what that seat is. That is a moment where we come to Christ and he welcomes us. And then from welcoming us into his home, now he judges us. And this is where he judges us, where he gives us our responsibilities based on how we loved and lived for him. Okay, it's not, you didn't love me enough and so you're out. It's not that kind of judgment. It's a judgment of, okay, you chose to live for yourself and so I'm gonna give you this responsibility. You chose to, to, to honor people this way. I'm gonna give you, the, he gives us responsibilities based on the way we live in love on this earth. Does that make sense? Okay, now, when I was growing up, true story, I went to these plays. For those that are a little older, you probably know what I'm talking about. I would go to these plays as a kid growing up called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Praise God, a couple people. Praise God. You you are true disciples of Jesus. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Let me explain. Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames was this play that you would come to. And you would go to. And there would be these people that would die. They would have a play. And they would die. And immediately when they died, the lights came on. And they were at this judgment seat. And it was throne of God. And the lights, it was like all tin foil, And it was all silvery. And the lights were blinking. It was like, oh. You know, it was like you were in heaven. And in the moment, the, the, the person, an angel, would be at the top, like, looking through the scroll. He'd be like. I'm like, man, he's going to be flipping a lot looking for me. You know what I'm saying? And they're like trying to look to find. And then if, you were, if your name was in the book, it was like, ah. And the angel would, would start singing. And Jesus would come out in his white glory and just come. He would hug. And they would like dance off. And if your name was not, they would like shake their heads like, and here comes a little, out of a little cardboard box, here comes the devil. You know what I'm saying? It's like, ah! And the, he would drag him away, and they'd be screaming. And I'm not going to lie, as a kid, it freaked me out. I'm talking about I would be tripping. I don't know what was happening, but I was like, I don't like that. Come on, somebody. And growing up, this, this, this has been mentally uh, scarred into my brain and many others, where it's this, this just judgment seat's going to be this like, are you there? And we're like waiting in anticipation. Please, please. Oh my God, please, please, please. And like they keep scrolling. You're like, come on, please. Just check the last page. Check the last page. I promise I'm on there somewhere. That's not going to be how it is at all. Why? How do I know that? Because the Bible says God is a good father. I've never gone to my dad's house, knocked on the door and been like, oh, I hope he lets me in. No, I'd be kicking the door open. The first thing I do is go open the refrigerator and let me eat some food. Come on, somebody. That's how it's going to be in heaven. It's going to be this welcoming. You are a son or a daughter. It's this celebration. It's not this like, oh my goodness. No, it's this great celebration. Why? Because we know we are sons and daughter of the king. And so there's not this fearful, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? No, it's like, let's go. You know what I'm saying? We're ready to party. I'm going to be high-fiving angels. I'm going to try to chest bump them. They probably won't because they're so big they'll knock me over. But I'm going to try. Come on, somebody. I'm being funny, obviously, trying a little bit. 
But it's gonna be a celebration. We're gonna go in knowing. It's not gonna be like, oh, I wanna make it. No, we're gonna be there. We're gonna be with the Father and we're gonna be with Jesus and Jesus is gonna welcome us open arms and it's this celebration. This is what the throne room of judgment is, the uh, judgment seat of throne, the first judgment. It's this honoring, it's this celebration. And then he says, okay, this is what you did and so this is what I'm blessing you with. And you're not gonna be like, oh man, I wanted something. It's not gonna be like that. Here's what it's gonna be like. I'm so grateful I get to honor you with my giftings and my talents. If it's in a field, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I get to serve you and honor you with the giftings that you gave. If it's in the throne room, I think those that are martyred and the disciples that were martyred, I think they'll be the ones serving in the throne room. And oh my gosh, I get to serve. Whatever it is in the kingdom, it's an honor and it's a celebration. It's not a, oh man, I wish I got to do more. No, it's God, whatever you've given me. Oh, I wanna give it back. I want to serve you. This is what the throne room is. Now, the second judgment is the white, white throne judgment. And this is where the scripture says those who don't believe in him, those that do not, they says the dead, they'll be, they'll be thrown into the lake of fire. Let me just be real with you for five seconds. Heaven's real and hell's real. God's heart is that no man and no woman would go to hell. God's heart is that he would send his own son to die so that we could go to heaven and spend relationship with him. God is not some mean God that's just sending people to heaven because he chooses it. No, God chose for all of us to have the opportunity to follow him and believe in him. And I love it because then when we go through the, the, the scripture as we read in Revelation, as we spend this thousand years with him, and then when, as we enter into the new heaven and the new earth, the scripture says, in Revelation, I want to show it to you. We're going to close here in a second, but it says this, and I just want to give you a picture of what it's going to look like. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 21, excuse me, in verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So here's what's gonna happen. God's gonna create this new heaven and this new earth. And then the, this holy city of Jerusalem is actually gonna come down from heaven and it'll be on earth, okay? So that's what's happening right here. And then it says this, it says, um, uh, God, from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Check this out. Oh, I love this. There's no more death. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain for the, for the old older of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything, all things new. Then he said, write this down. These words are trustworthy and true. Scripture says that heaven and new earth will be a place where there's no mourning, where there's no crying, where there's no pain, where there's no death. There's this place of complete perfection that Christ has built for us. Revelation chapter 22 and verse one. I wanna read this to you just to show you why he's doing this. It says, then the angel showed me the river of water of light of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of, and of the lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, which is its with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. This tree, none of us know what it is, but this tree is so powerful. It's giving you different fruit. Come on, somebody, you want an apple? Go and wait till September. You know what I'm saying? You want an orange? You gotta go in October. Come on. It come, okay, no mind, no mind. 
be getting all different types. Okay, come on, somebody. Okay, the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And at night, there will be no more. There will be no need for light or lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. I love this picture of heaven because it shows us this. Heaven is really God's original intent for you and I. In the Garden of Eden, I love it because in the Garden of Eden, this is what was happening. It says that God will be their God and he will be with them. The Bible says that every afternoon, if you read it in Genesis, during the Garden of Eden, he would come and he would walk with Adam and Eve. Then it says that there was this tree of life that they would eat and it would give them life forever. It was, it was a, a something in the, 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 the fruit that they would eat that would give them life. Isn't it interesting that the very book of the, the Bible, the first, first couple chapters talk about this tree of life and this garden of Eden. And in the very last chapter in Revelation, it comes back to the same exact thing. God's with us. And this is tree of life. Why? Because it's showing us this picture of this. God's original intent for all of us is to walk with us and live with us forever. I love this thought because we don't serve a God who's far away, who's angry with us, who's just hoping that we'll serve him the way that we want, who's demanding things. No, we serve this God. Yes, he's king. But we serve this God who is so in love with you and I that literally his goal of existence is to be with us. He's gonna recreate an entire heaven, an entire earth. Why? Solely because we can be with him. And not just be with him for a moment, but we can be with him for an eternity. We serve an incredible God. Yes, we look at the tribulation and we say, oh my gosh, I don't wanna be a part of that. Absolutely, we understand that. But we also look at the end of the end of times and we see the reason, the purpose of it all is love. That he would love us so much that he would come. But he wouldn't just come, he would die. He wouldn't just die, he would raise again. Why? So that we could have a choice, an opportunity to believe in him. Why? So that we could spend an eternity with him. Oh my goodness, I'm looking forward to, to spend an eternity with Jesus. I'm telling you, it's going to be a party. It ain't going to be just us sitting around, just looking at each other, twiddling thumbs, sitting on some cloud, just hitting a harp. That ain't what it's going to be like. We're going to be literally spending an eternity in the presence of God. God gives us very small, small, small glimpses of his presence during worship. It's going to be so much greater than anything we've ever existed or thought about on this planet. I've heard theologians say there'll be colors we've never seen. There'll be sounds we've never heard. There'll be things we don't even, can't even comprehend. There'll be such a great presence that we'll want to worship all the time. There's going to be complete and utter perfection. No pain, no shame, no guilt, no hurt, no death, no night, no sleep. It's just a constant, all day, every day, being with Jesus. This is what we have to look forward to. It's not just, oh, we die, and oh, I hope we make it. No, we serve a God that loves us so much that he desires with his whole heart 
to be with us for eternity. And this is what's so cool about God. The Bible says that all, in Romans, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not these works. We don't have to do all these great things to get our way, to make our way to heaven, to get him to love us, to get us to call him our son or daughter. No, it says all, every person, no matter what our background is, no matter what our culture is, no matter what our skin color is, no matter what we think, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a promise. And oh my gosh, what a promise. As we close down this book, study of Revelation, I'm so grateful for a God who loves us so much that he would give us the privilege to believe in him and love him. I challenge you today, maybe you're in this room, you're like, mm, I don't really know God, all good. Maybe you're in this room and you say, mm, I used to know God, but mm, I'm a little far away. It's all good. The Bible says that all we have to do is confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says we shall be saved. It's as simple as just saying, okay, God, I believe in you. I need you and I desire to live for you. Doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that we're, we're perfect. No, in fact, no one's perfect. But it's this concept of knowing, God, I believe in my heart. And now I know when I get to that throne room, it's not gonna be, oh, no, it's gonna be, I can't wait to see him, to celebrate with him, to honor him, to worship him. Why? Because there's no one like him on all the earth or the universe or the planet or any other planet. There's no one like him. He's a good God, amen. Can we pray today, Father?